Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Frontiers in Learning, a program focused on education and its role in our changing economy. Hi, I'm Chris Shoplin. Dr. Don Sheffield has a BA from Geneva College, a master's from Slippery Rock, and a doctorate in higher education from Penn State University. He spent most of his career in higher education at Penn State and was former administrative assistant to Coach Joe Paterno and director of the Academic Support Center for Student-Athletes at Penn State University. He served as director of diversity outreach for the Office of the Outreach and Cooperative Extension, and Dr. Sheffield developed field programs to improve the multicultural education of undergraduates students for Penn State. He is the founder and president of Tame Incorporated. He's uh, done work with Dare to Excel. I can go on and on and on. Dr. Sheffield, first of all, thank you so much for allowing me into your beautiful home and uh, uh, talking here on Frontiers and Learning. Oh, Chris, it's great to have you here. This has been an interest of mine for a long time. Education is a passion. Family is a passion, as you know. Athletics is a passion, as you know. So I'm excited to talk with you. Well, let's talk about family first and, you know, your education uh, coming up. You had a pretty sizable family in New Brighton, Pennsylvania when you were a youngster, and, and most of you went to college. Oh, absolutely. I, and this was the key for growing up Sheffield, uh, <laughs> which I believe there's a culture. There was a culture in our family that stressed education. Uh, a lot of us like to think that we were athletes first, but not to my dad. To my dad, he had his own eligibility rules if you wanted to play sports. Uh, I'm one of uh, 18 children. I always say 18, but my dad actually raised 20. But when I was born in 1948, two of my dad's first family uh, children had died. So I only knew uh, uh, five of those family members. And then my mother, who my dad married widowed, had 13 children, of which you know Calvin is the first one. Absolutely. Uh, And and, uh, growing up Sheffield, uh, we had our own role models, and mine was Calvin. Uh, so to watch him play basketball and to watch him have that kind of success and then go on to the University of Pittsburgh uh, and, of course, Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame uh, was just one of the things that I just aspired to do. So growing up Sheffield made you aware of the importance of balancing academics and athletics. You were driven by your father. What drove your father to drive all of you kids? Interesting. Uh, my dad had very humble beginnings. Um, uh, he watched his own father at age 11, um, my grandfather, um, trying to feed his family, uh, commit a uh, uh, act that en- ended up having his father go to jail. Uh, and de- my dad watched uh, from a distance his father literally murdered uh, by vigilantes taken out of the jail. And that left my dad at age 11 with a huge impression about how important it was to always do the right thing. And my, did he set that example to our family. We knew growing up that we were always going to have to do the right thing. And to my dad, that was paramount. So I'm proud to say that I grew up in a family that never got in trouble. Uh, And that had to do with my dad. He insisted 
that we know what was right to do and what was wrong to do. So it was great. It was, it was an experience that, that I would not trade it in a heartbeat, having had the family that we had and having had the role models that I had, and of course, growing up with an understanding of how important it was to, to do good in school if you wanted to play sports. That has transferred through the generations of your family, but not through the generations of every family. How do other people get that message? Oh, I, th I say there's three things that every parent has to do if they want to raise successful children. One, you've got to have a commitment to making sure learning is always ongoing. You never stop learning. So, so learning education is paramount if you want to find success in life. The other piece of that is you always want to make sure that your kids understand what it means to always do their best. And my parents insisted that we do our best. Now, they didn't ask us to bring home A's, but they did ask us to do our best. You couldn't half-step. You know, from the tasks you did around the house to the work you did for school, it was always your best. But I'm telling you, uh, Chris, in the midst of that what is this concept of values. The thing that carries you through life is always knowing what's right to do and what's wrong to do. So no matter how committed you are to education, no matter how committed you are to doing the best you can, you've got to be anchored in those values. And I got to tell you, my parents figured that out. Uh, even though my dad was a minister, uh, and we grew up going to Sunday school church every Sunday, some of us rebelled, but we did, it had lasting impact on the success of our family because we had those, that combination of education, excellence and values that I think are crucial. And it doesn't take money, Chris. Mm -hmm. You don't, we were a very low income family, but we never knew we were. Because what makes you rich is what's on the inside. Absolutely. You know, and so uh, as, as parents, uh, we, everybody has the power of, of raising successful children if they understand the practice. Parents today listening to this, if, if they are low-income parents, yes. if they're struggling, if they're having problems, if uh, they have social issues, if they have domestic issues, how do you convince them and how do you teach them to be better parents? Well, I think one of the things that I've learned in my experience in working with, with especially parents, especially low-income parents, is that they all want their kids to be successful. They do. Uh, and, and, but they don't always know how to do it. And so I think the key is teaching them things that they can do that doesn't require a sophisticated education because one of the things about the culture of poverty that, that I have understood for a long time is that many of the parents are undereducated. You know, it's not that they don't have a high school diploma, but they haven't been properly educated in terms of the fundamental skills that you need to be successful. Uh, so what happens is they're undereducated trying to get their kids to be educated. So how do you give these parents the tools that allow them to do those little things that they can without having a sophisticated education? And so I just tell them, quite frankly, practice makes permanent. You know, you know a lot of folks think that practice makes perfect. Well, in part it does if the practice is perfect. But what it does is make permanent. So what I like to teach parents is, can I t help me, let me help you understand the practices you want to instill in your kids at home that'll help them be successful. And here's one of them. Earn the right to chill. <laughs> Every parent has to practice with their child at home earning the right to chill. That is, they have to practice doing what they have to do before they can do what they want to do. If they are a two-year-old and they can get their toys out of that toy box, they can practice putting them back. 
you know, and that parents have to understand that kids are what they practice. Because if they let them practice chilling without earning it, that's what they'll think they're entitled to do. That that TV can go on, they can pick up that cell phone, they can participate in sports without doing the things that are necessary first. And that's so important because if they don't do that, if they don't do that, parents will find themselves trying to get their kids to do something while they're chilling because they'll think it's okay to sit back and watch TV. Oh, mom, can that wait until I get finished with this or that? You know, Chris, I could never imagine negotiating with my dad to do work. Oh, my, my butt would still be sore. The reality is that parents have to understand kids have to earn, E-A-R-N, the right to chill. You are not entitled to chill just because you live in their house. They have to earn it. And that was something that was crucial that in our house that we had to earn the right to chill. And that's something every parent can do if you understand the practice. And practice makes permanent. So teach your kids from day one to earn the right to chill. Dr. Don Sheffield is my guest. This is Frontiers in Learning. Those are, uh, that's one of the tenets in, in the book that you wrote absolutely, several years absolutely, ago. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The, the title of the book is Practice Makes Turf Perfect Not. Excellence is a habit. And it's one of those key philosophies that I tell everybody, if you want to develop successful children, understand what they need to practice. We're going to take a short time out. You're listening to Frontiers and Learning. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Don Sheffield, a native of New Brighton, Pennsylvania, coming up right after this. Did you know that recent studies show a direct correlation between involvement in theater and success in math, reading, and writing? Sign up now for the spring semester of performing arts classes at the Henry Mancini Academy. Classes for children ages 3 to 18 include musical theater, voice, acting, dance, improv workshops, and master classes, not to mention a musical, The Jungle Book. Is your child stage ready? Visit ManciniAcademy.com or call 724-576-4644, extension 1311, to enroll. Lincoln Learning Solutions is a Beaver County-based nonprofit organization whose mission is to empower learning communities by providing them with products, strategies, and services aligned with proven educational practices. Lincoln Learning Solutions is the creator of Lincoln Empowered, a comprehensive new pre-K through 12 online curriculum that offers the highest degree of flexibility and personalization possible. Want to learn more? Visit www.lincolnlearningsolutions.org. Fly away through Neverland with Tinkerbell in Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center's production of Peter Pan Dancing Through Neverland. Based on J.M. Barrie's beloved novel, Peter Pan Dancing Through Neverland is an original dance show starring all of your favorite characters. Watch Lincoln Park's best dancers take flight in our beautiful main stage theater. Show runs April 28th through the 30th and May 5th through the 7th. Once again, welcome to Frontiers in Learning. I'm Chris Shublin. My guest today is Dr. Don Sheffield. We are talking about education in general. You are such a, a fascinating person. I'm going to bounce around and talk about a variety of different topics, but uh, we talked about uh, pra practice makes perfect not. There are other tenets in your book. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things I learned early on is that your attitude determines your altitude. You know, so how high you go in life has a lot to do with your attitude towards what you're doing. And so I always teach parents how important it is to understand your child's attitude. 
when they come to do work. And if they have a positive attitude, there's a good chance the work will be done good. But if they have a negative attitude, there's a good chance the work is going to be bad. So I think one of the things you have to learn to do as a parent is to check your child's attitude, especially prior to having them do work. As a Sheffield growing up in our house, my parents checked that very easily. Because when they called us, and I didn't know this growing up, I just did it. But when they called us, Chris, we had to respond, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Now think about what that truly means. If, they, if I heard my name being called Don, and it was my dad, my response was, yes, sir. And immediately, my dad knew that I was ready for what he was going to say next, because my attitude was there. Sure. There's a difference between that and a parent calling your child and your child saying, what? <laughs> There's a respect factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so much of what one does starts with this notion of respect. The person needs you to do something. The respect that you have for them, the attitude you have towards them, has a lot to do with how well you do it. And my parents figured that out. Don't ask me how, because my dad and mom never went past sixth grade. But they really understood how important it was to make sure our attitude was where it needed to be when it came to doing a task. And so parents have to make sure that, that they have their child's attention. <laughs> uh, and, and Chris, you, you know, you know, coming from a coaching background, sure. how crucial is that for successful coaches is that they have the attention of their players. Absolutely. Same thing as with parents. If you want your child to be responsive to the things that you need them to do. Boom, you've got to have their attention right away. And so, and in our house, when they called us, yes ma'am, yes sir, they had our attention. With all of that said, and you know, I'm looking at, at parents and the problems that they're facing today, because this is a, a different generation, mm -hmm. let's face it. And I don't think people have changed all that much. It's just the influences have changed. Who's responsible for teaching parents how to be better parents? Is it the school districts? Is it the churches? Is it the general population? Is it all of us? All of the above. And I think one of the challenges, Chris, is that, is, let's take schools, for example. Uh, we put parents in a position of having to be the uh, study skill preparators for kids uh, when they don't have the skill. Uh, and it's like sending a kid home to have their homework done to folks who don't <laughs> know how to do it. Uh, it would be like sending an athlete <laughs> to somebody that doesn't know how to coach and expecting them to come back sure. better prepared. Uh, so I think one of the things we have to do with parents from a school's perspective is train them on how to develop the skills that they need kids to develop because the parents they don't, they don't know. Uh, schools, unfortunately, don't always have the mechanisms to do that. So we're in a catch-22. Uh, it's hard to get, especially those parents those who are low income, who need supportive services, to get them from schools because schools are often strapped in providing those supportive services that they need to help kids grow academically. Uh, and so uh, in many ways, that became my impetus to start uh, Tame Inc., Dare to Excel, and to address what, what is this after-school practice that many of these kids need that couldn't get. Let's talk about those programs. Let's talk about TAME, first of all. I had mentioned that in, uh, in your introduction, Techniques Assisting Motivation and Excellence. Where did it come from? How is it applied? Interesting. I still re I could recite this to this day, Chris. Um, 
I have, was fortunate um, back in the late 60s, early 70s, excuse me, late, um, 19, eight, late 80s, early, early 90s, um, to sit with uh, one of the foundations that were looking to help fund education initiatives. And I proposed to him my theory of excellence conditioning. And my theory is this, that kids can be conditioned for excellence if you understand the practice. And I remember sitting in that meeting using the athletic metaphor. If one of the reasons why we are so good at developing athletes is that they are coaches run the practice and they know the practice and they're good at getting kids who want to be successful in sports to learn the fundamentals of those sports. Simple. Yet, in education, that is not how we develop our students. We don't teach them fundamentals first, subjects second. We teach them subjects and hope that they'll pick up fundamentals by osmosis. And I remember growing up as a kid, that's how I started playing basketball. I used to think that you could be a basketball player by just going to the court playing basketball games. And that's what I did. Sure. My brother said, that's what I did. I went to the court to play basketball games. You know, I, could, I learned how to get the ball in a hoop, but I never learned the techniques of how to do it properly. And I'll never forget, I went to my first basketball camp in 19, um, uh, the summer of 1969, after my freshman year at Geneva, and John Swalger and Ron Galbraith were running this basketball camp, and they were focusing on the techniques of shooting. So they asked me to come out and demonstrate. And didn't you know, my techniques were off the charts. <laughs> Bad. And so they used me as an example of how do you correct technique. So they got my arm in. They got my wrist caught. They got my follow through properly. And my skill set jumped. Sure. If, Chris, we understood in education that teachers need to know the techniques to teach kids how to learn, we would be much better off. So I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm saying to the Heinz Endowment, uh, and a gentleman by the name of Joe Dominic, who I'll never forget, I'm saying to him, wouldn't it be wonderful if institutions like Penn State, instead of teaching teachers simply English, math, science, and social studies, which is how we train teachers, know the subjects well and you can teach kids. If we esteem them in the kinds of things that teach teachers how the brain functions and learns. So as a result, Joe Dominic says to me, patent that idea and we'll fund it. And that's what I did. And that's how my company started. I patented this excellent conditioning model, started a company, Tame Inc., and the Heinz Endowment became my biggest supporter of this notion with the higher education. Dr. Don Sheffield is my guest. Uh, we're talking about education in general. We're talking about TAME right now, TAME Inc. What has the response been since the founding? Oh, it's been so positive. Comp TAME Inc. started in 1991. Uh, we've been in business ever since, uh, and almost exclusively in the after-school market, helping, uh, helping those less unfortunate families um, uh, develop study techniques in an after-school environment. Um, we've been in uh, Beaver County schools ever since then, uh, and it's worked tremendously. And uh, I'm confident to say that our formula 
for improving their academics based upon learning the skill set shows in the data. If kids attend our program 75% of the time, their grades in the classroom go up. That's been consistent for the past 25 years. You know, and that's the success. It just makes sense. If you teach, like my basketball skills, if you teach the techniques, you're bound to improve the scoring. And the same thing's true in the classroom. If you teach the techniques, you're bound to perform the way the kids perform. Dr. Don Sheffield, my guest on Frontiers in Learning, will take a timeout using a sports metaphor, and we'll come back and talk more with Dr. Sheffield here on Frontiers in Learning. Fly away through Neverland with Tinkerbell in Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center's production of Peter Pan Dancing Through Neverland. Based on J.M. Barry's beloved novel, Peter Pan Dancing Through Neverland is an original dance show starring all of your favorite characters. Watch Lincoln Park's best dancers take flight in our beautiful main stage theater. Show runs April 28th through the 30th and May 5th through the 7th. Did you know that recent studies show a direct correlation between involvement in theater and success in math, reading, and writing? Sign up now for the spring semester of performing arts classes at the Henry Mancini Academy. Classes for children ages 3 to 18 include musical theater, voice, acting, dance, improv workshops, and master classes. Not to mention a musical, The Jungle Book. Is your child stage ready? Visit ManciniAcademy.com or call 724-576-4644, extension 1311, to enroll. Community College of Beaver County has been leading, educating, innovating, and inspiring students and in our community for 50 years. And we're just getting started. Tomorrow holds even more promise with a growing number of new programs, partnerships, and pathways serving a more diverse student body. Be sure to join us in celebrating our great history and achievements by visiting the 50th anniversary website at ccbc.edu slash 50th sharing your CCBC story on social media, or attending our many special events. Now is the time to find your way to CCBC, educating Beaver County since 1966. Back on Frontiers in Learning with Dr. Don Sheffield. I'm Chris Shublin. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you're finding this fascinating because I am too. We're talking about uh, your creation, Tame Incorporated, and there are three facets to it. One of those is Dare to Excel. Before we get too, too much further along, let's talk about Dare to Excel and how you came up with that program. Dare to Excel is the after-school study program for low-income families. Uh, we operate in three school districts in Beaver County right now, New Brighton, Rochester, Beaver Falls. Uh, we've done some satellite programs in Aliquippa. I think one of the strengths of that program is helping low-income families, parents, because it's a two-pronged program. We don't just work with kids. We also work with parents. And that was one of the things that set us apart from other after-school programs. So many after-school programs work with the kids. Mm -hmm. But you can't shape kids without shaping parents. And when they're low-income parents, they need the help. And so parent education is part of our program. So the after-school uh, program works with kids first grade through sixth grade, and we try to make sure that we help parents understand what they can do with their kids at home. And then in the after-school program, our focus is learning skills. How do you incorporate those fundamental things that kids need to know in order to, do, in order to study their subjects? Uh, and so that allows us not to teach subjects, but teach the skills necessary for the subjects. And so a kid can learn that when you read, 
you chunk to read, you know, you outline first, you know, you lay out the material, you understand where your brain's going before it gets there. Uh, and we teach them how to warm up and cool down, warm up, how to get ready before they do anything. And then we teach them how to cool down, how to review what you do before you say you are through. And that all those things help the brain remember. And so I work very hard at making sure the kids understand these concepts, but also the teachers in the classroom understand these same concepts. Uh, because it's important that teachers recognize that before those kids leave that classroom, their job is to, is to find out what did they learn from you while they were there. So they got to cool down too. You know, so the reality is that in the after school program, our goal is to teach kids how to learn so that they can apply these skills to their subjects. How do you get the parents on the same page? Easy. <laughs> uh, parents like the after school, I think, for two reasons. One, uh, they tell us that they liked what the kids do academically. But I think, secondly, they like the fact that the kids have a safe place to go after school right. while they're working. Uh, so they both work hand in hand. But in order for the parents, in order for the kids to be in the program, the parents have to agree to attend three workshops. You know, and that incentive uh, alone, uh, aside, also since we uh, have dinner for the whole family w w for these workshops too, that helps. that helps a lot. Oh yeah, that helps. So we don't have any problem at all uh, having well-attended parent workshops. And I try to make sure that the material is relevant to the parents. Uh, because they're not going to have a sophisticated education, but they can certainly understand the kinds of practices that they can do at home. So we tell parents, I'm never going to ask you to teach your kids math. I'm just going to ask you to implement some of these behaviors that you're going to learn in these workshops uh, in order to support what these kids need to do in the after school. What are the other facets of TAME? Two others. Uh, I love the fact that because uh, I've got a pretty good understanding of the kinds of skill sets necessary to teach fundamental study skills of helping teachers integrate that into the classroom. I think one of the missing links of teachers' preparation is how the brain functions. How does the brain remember? And what do I need to know about that in order to get them to remember? Now, that's like a coach trying to develop athletes and not understanding conditioning. Sure. It's fundamental. Uh, and unfortunately, higher education doesn't do very much with teaching teachers how the brain remembers. So I love teaching teachers about how to teach with the brain in mind so that they can get their kids to remember things. Uh, here's what kids truly practice in our schools. When they go to learn, they end up practice cramming, you know, which is, which is a very, uh, uh, it's a misuse of how the brain can truly function. Uh, they need to help the brain function in a way that they don't forget. And that's why I love teaching teachers that. So teaching with the brain in mind is, is, is a very important part of our teacher training. Um, the other piece, of course, is my involvement in diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. Uh, TAME is actively involved in helping people understand how to create a diverse work environment, how to make sure folks are included in the operations of the work environment, but probably, Chris, the most underutilized part of this activity is cultural competency. Because cultural competency is, is an American skill. How do we teach people that it's important to be able to interact positively with folks that are different than they are? And that encompasses all of us. And none of us are endowed with that skill. I'm not culturally competent because I'm African American. 
No, what makes me culturally competent is my ability to interact with folks that are different than I in a positive way. And I think it's very important that we learn this skill in America because it has so much to do with how people perform in the workplace. If people can get along, people understand, you know, how to celebrate and, and their differences. If people understand how to relate to each other, uh, it's, it plays very well in the workplace. So that's the other side of team that I'm very excited about. You know, the involvement in the after school, the involvement in, in teacher training, and of course the involvement in diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. Diversity, inclusion, cultural competency. Don, unfortunately, we're down to our last minute, but that's going to play into the future of Beaver County. We're on the, the threshold of something that hasn't happened here in more than 100 years. There is excitement in the air. I mean, the whole idea of seeing uh, a company like Shell uh, and the activity that's been created, you know, around this cracker plane, both upstream and downstream. What's this going to mean for business? What's it going to mean for schools? What's it going to mean for how well we interact with each other? And I think it's exciting to see that now in Beaver County, uh, we need to begin to look at ways that we can embrace each other in a positive way. Uh, you know, Beaver County is still a community that's 92% white. 6% uh, African-American. There's lots of things that we need to do to make sure that as we interact in the workplace of the future, and there's going to be opportunities for all of us, that we have that skill set to relate well with each other. I hope we can continue our conversation in the weeks to come. Thank you so much for having me into your home. Oh, Chris, I've, it, it's been a pleasure for me. Thank you for inviting me. And you know that I cherish your friendship. Oh, and as I do yours. Thank <laughs> you, sir. And that's it for this week. Thanks to our guest and to you for listening. Frontiers in Learning comes to you through a grant from Lincoln Learning Solutions in cooperation with the Community College of Beaver County and the Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of this station's staff and management. You can find podcasts of this and all of our shows online at TalkShoe.com. Search Frontiers in Learning. If you'd like to suggest a topic or have a question or comment, please email your thoughts to frontiers at lppacenter.org. That's frontiers at lppacenter.org. The producer of today's show is Don Cameron. Music by Lincoln Park senior Joey Finello. I'm Chris Shovlin, reminding you to tune in next week for another stimulating edition of Frontiers in Learning.